0: welcome back for another episode of reaching for words a podcast dedicated to the art and science of language learning with rob ashby that's me from spanishobsessed.com today's episode is a great one i had a fantastic time speaking with ollie richards another polyglot who's achieved impressive levels of fluency in over eight languages we talk about the importance of memory in language learning When you ask most people about the most important skill in picking up a language, most people will say memorization. And it's also the excuse that people use. I've got a terrible memory. I'm always forgetting things so I can never pick up a language. You hear excuses like that all the time. Well, with Ollie, we go deep into what this actually means. How important is memory really? And what do we even mean by memorizing? Stay tuned for a fantastic discussion as well as some down-to-earth practical tips. Let's get into the podcast. So our next guest is a prolific language learner, and I've been impressed by a lot of his advice for language learners. He's both a fantastic polyglot, speaking eight languages, putting me to shame, but he's also a great teacher, and in his blog, I Will Teach You a Language, he provides real gems of advice. So, Ollie Richards, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Oh, it was a pleasure to be here. You're currently learning Italian, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. How, how long have you been doing that and how's that going? Uh, so just
1: before we, we, we started talking, actually, I was writing up and editing the video for my week three uh, progress report. Okay. Yeah. So I'm learning, I'm learning Italian uh, from scratch and one of the things I like to do, every year I do a language project of some sort or another and I always try and document the process because people, I think, find it incredibly helpful to see how other people uh-huh. do it yeah. you know it, regardless of the, the kind of the techniques and the strategies and all of that often I notice that people just kind of think oh am I doing it wrong or am I doing it right?" <laughs> people just don't know you know they're kind of stuck in their own world so so I always try and document that and it's going really well I have to say it is a absolute pleasure every week, day it's week three so, so
0: you are you talking yet are you how how, how are you kind of pleased with your, how pleased with your progress are you yeah so I've, I've been the experiment this is the experiment that I've been running
1: uh, in this project so I, I'm I'm looking at it in, t- in, a, in a time period of three months uh, because it's a summer project so we're talking now in July it's basically July August September and that's how I'm seeing it and one of my interests recently with language learning has been more and more into input based methods
0: mm-hmm.
1: so whereas in in the past I would have kind of had a mad rush to speak as quickly as possible and basically train myself to speak by by learning Uh, phrases and having a lot of conversations with people which is a perfectly valid method yeah i've become i'm of the opinion now that it's much more efficient and also much more fun Mm -hmm. in general much more practical to actually spend a period of time getting a lot of input Mm -hmm. through listening and reading uh, and then starting to speak later once you've got a foundation in the language and so in month my rule for this the first month of this project is is, is actually no speaking,
0: okay. which for me is
1: like which for me is like torture because like speaking is for me is the thing that I'm it was what I'm most it's what I want to be able to do in any language. Yeah, I, I love to communicate with people, so it's just been a, a huge diet of listening and reading, and I haven't spoken a word so far. So well, congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've made no mistakes. How about that? <laughs> yeah, and um, so one of the what's going to be interesting for me is at the one month point, I'm going to i'm going to start speaking uh-huh. and i'm going to record myself speaking every day for a week okay and the video for that week is going to be like a, a, a kind of collage of one minute snippets of me speaking italian so you can kind of see how first of all you can see like how is my speaking after one month of no speaking mm-hmm. just input but then also how much is it does my speaking improve over the course of, of one week of daily conversations
0: so it's experiments that i'm running and um you know Oh, I look forward to seeing how that goes then. That's, yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's kind of contradictory to um, a lot of advice, which you'll hear, you know, of start speaking as soon as possible. So it would be really interesting to see how yeah, that goes. Yeah, I then. mean,
1: that's an interesting point because I think you've got to look at this through the lens of most people's experience of language learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm atypical in that sense. So most people's experience of language learning is, you know, traditional methods of classroom based instruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, textbooks, grammar rules, rote memorization, things like that. And the big mistake that most people make is never starting to speak. And so they, you know, they never speak, they never have conversations, and they wonder why they're crap at speaking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a clear link, right? You have to speak a lot in order to get good at speaking. It's, in, in my case, I, I've, all, I've almost kind of, I've always been different to that, because I've always had a, a speaking-based approach to learning. Right. So I kind of I kind of feel like I've got a good a good handle on that, and I'm not going to risk not speaking. I will speak. Like I, I bet the house on that. You know, so um so this is just an experiment for my for my own sake to see. Okay, well what
0: happens if I do things a little bit differently this time? Hmm. Okay. Well, that's that's really cool. I look forward. To, I'll be following you closely and seeing how you how you do. <laughs> I've tried Italian before, and I think it. You you already speak Spanish, right? Yeah. Or, or other Romance language. So probably expect pretty quick progress there I'm sure yeah I do have a slightly unfair
1: advantage in, <laughs> yeah. I, I do know other romance languages yeah, yeah. but but nevertheless you know in that given that the challenge is it's not so much well how quickly can I learn Italian vocabulary but it's how accurately can I speak Italian without just speaking you know a bastardized form of Spanish
0: which is a real problem you know uh-huh. and it, and it's a... well that sounds great but the, the reason I have was really looking forward to getting you on this show was that you you've helped a lot of people when it comes to memorization that seems to have kind of been have been one of your specialities so that's kind yeah. of what we're going to be focusing on this episode um so i, I guess so the first question is i think a lot of people consider learning a language to be primarily a process of memorization so memorizing yeah. words sounds phrases etc where do you think memorization sits in terms of its importance in the process of language learning. Yeah, I'm going to need you to define memorization mm. because that's what it comes down to. Okay, so let me put it another way. If someone's got a fantastic memory, let's take a, a memory champion, do you think they would make a really good language learner? How, how important is that as a skill?
1: Well, it, there's so much
0: in there. It's difficult <laughs> to know where,
1: where, where, to, where to start. I mean, let, let, me, let me approach this by giving a few quick observations and then you okay. can kind of go down whichever path you want um, so a memory champion is a, is a, is an expert at um, deliberate memorization so he will he will look at a, a set of information and use usually mnemonic based tricks to to store that information in his uh, in his short term memory in order to perform tricks basically that that is essentially w- what happens and so if you were to 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 map that onto language learning, then the implication would be, okay, well, language learning is a is the act of deliberately memorizing a bunch of different information.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, you could give a, a, a memory champion a thousand words in Spanish to memorize, and he might well be able to do that, but there are so many other skills involved in language right. learning right. that you know, I, I would be shocked if, well, there's no way that, he, that that person would be able to speak the language without also spending a lot of time on all the, all the different skills, um, of which you know everyone listening to this will be, will be familiar. So, what so what that means is that then you know memory, as it relates to vocabulary, is just one sort of subset of things that you have to do when you when you learn a language. So that, that that's point one. Okay. And then so then moving on to the, to the memory as a as a as a part of language learning, obviously to to learn a language does mean. Acquiring a lot of information and and knowing that information, Mm -hmm. the difficulty with the word memorization, and this is where you get on get into debate sometimes online, is that, are we talking about deliberate memorization, Mm -hmm. or are we talking about uh, acquiring those those words through other means? Mm -hmm. And so a a typical example might be, for example, um, flashcards as a form of deliberate memorization, or reading ten. Dialogues, Mm -hmm. which can each of which contains uh, a certain word and the fact that you've seen that word in context ten different times means you learn it You learn you learn it just as well as if you had
0: used flashcards, but you've
1: gone about it in a different way One is is a deliberate approach. One is a natural approach
0: So would you say that those deliberate and natural approaches can and should be used at the same time or is it more that perhaps? learners tend to start with those deliberate approaches so i'm thinking people pouring over word lists flashcards that kind of thing and over time maybe when they get to more intermediate level it, it takes on a more passive role so more of a kind of acquisition basis yeah well i think
1: you know on the one hand this comes down to preference so among among experienced language learners people will have their favorite ways of doing things i mean the way that i'm approaching italian for example right now is just to have an avalanche of content an avalanche of input over the course of a month no
0: deliberate memorization whatsoever So you're you're not kind of worrying about whether it's sticking or not you're just trusting i'm doing
1: yeah i'm doing nothing but listening and reading no no flashcards no memorization nothing and you know predictably enough i i feel like my vocabulary has grown a fair bit during this month from, Uh from that there are i know lots of other people who have entire methods that are based around say flashcards Mm-hmm. or other forms of memorization of the gold list method for example there's all different ways of doing this and so um, among the what you see among the spectrum of experienced language learners is, is a whole bunch of different preferences now the, this is the relevance of this question is much more to to novice language learners who might be thinking well you know as you intimated it's like well should i set about memorizing all this stuff deliberately and have you know, lists of words. And it's, it's pretty common for someone to set about learning a language thinking, right, I want to learn Italian. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'm going to go out and memorize the first, the most common, the most frequent 1,000 words in Italian, for example. Yeah, I, I kind and of then... have had that with, with Spanish. I remember sitting outside with, I had a shoebox of flashcards, which I sort yeah. of got through over one summer. Never know if that was a good use of my time or not.
1: Right, well, you know, let, let's take that as one approach. Uh, and it's obviously, you know, obviously if you do that and you end up knowing those 1000 yeah. words okay. and we could debate what it means to know a word
0: uh-huh. yeah. because
1: Definitely. the fact that you can the fact that you can re- memorize it on a flashcard doesn't mean that you're going to be able to use it in a right. conversation right but you know if you do setting aside the question of how long it takes you for a minute and how well you know that word if you can use flashcards for example to learn a thousand words in spanish then it's not going to be a negative thing so no. obviously that's going to be useful the real question is from my perspective is well what happens if instead of setting out to memorize those one thousand words uh, deliberately, instead you just you just expose yourself to huge amounts of content of what we would call comprehensible input, mm-hmm. so material in Spanish that you you get that's comprehensible to you, you can understand, and you do enough of that that you expose yourself to those same one thousand words plus a whole bunch more, um, and then you learn some or all of those naturally mm-hmm. now all other things being equal i would rather have learned the word naturally in context from reading than having learned it from flashcards because one has context and one doesn't yeah you know, the person who's spent all their time listening and reading is going to have a far greater understanding and appreciation of all aspects of the language than the person that's just used flashcards
0: so so with your this kind of input based approach there's no Conscious element of of deliberate memorization. There's just kind of noticing, as just kind of realizing. Oh yeah, I've I've heard that word before. You know, not ex- even explicitly saying that, but just realizing that you're hearing these words, you're hearing these phrases, and over time they become kind of etched in your mind and into your passive and active vocabulary. Is is that what you're suggesting? Is as a, as a well? I mean, the thing is, I, I'm painting a caricature slightly
1: of both uh-huh. of these methods in order to make the point. But you know, in reality, it's going to be somewhere in between. Okay. Um, you know, I'm actually a fan of flashcards. I have a whole—I'm one of those people that has a whole—you uh, know—I've written a, a book on 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 flashcards because I think they do have a place
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, for in in the kind of the overall picture of language learning. And so I am a fan of, of doing that. But in this particular project, that for to learn Italian, I am I am having a kind of no deliberate memorization okay. rule, but it's, it's, it's more, you know, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that people do that, although you can, uh-huh. I think it's much more of a, it's just it kind of an experiment in this particular case. Okay. But but I think, you know, kind of a related point is, and I've, and I've been, I've been grappling with this over the course of the last few weeks with Italian is that, you know, if you get up in the morning and say, right, I'm going to do, you know, I'm aiming for two to three hours of listening and reading a day. Okay. That's which is a, yeah. It's a, a substantial amount. And typically that happens in an hour in the morning, straight after I've woken up is like my kind of focus time. Then say thirty to sixty minutes in the gym plus commuting time. So, yeah, so this can...
0: this is all kind of listening stuff while you're multitasking. You're you're uh, not necessarily focused on that. Am I right? Correct.
1: For half the time, yeah. I mean that first hour of the day I am focused on it because I, I need to have that focus mm-hmm. some focus time. I think it's important. And if I'm on the if I'm on, you know, if I'm commuting on the train or something then I will be, be focusing, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so that's and, – and so the, so when you sit down and say, right, I'm going to listen to Italian now, then let's say you've got 30 minutes free. You can you, – you know, in 30 minutes, you can listen to a lot of Italian. Yep. Now, let's compare that to what you have to do with flashcards. You have to – within those 30 minutes, you've got to identify vocabulary, words or phrases that you want to go into those flashcards. Mm-hmm. You've got to make the flashcards. Mm-hmm. You've then got to kind of practice them you know, if you're lucky, you're going to cover how much you might cover over the course of half an hour. But there's a lot of kind of busy work involved in the, in the whole system of of, of flashcards, which really takes away from time that you can be spent Mm. that you can spend
0: actually getting input to the language. Do do you think with the kind of the, let's say the flashcard or deliberate memorization method, though, that does at least provide people with kind of a sense of achievement you know you've got a stack of flashcards you've built them you've made them and you can say at the end of the day end of the week, end of the month I've learned these I've got these now like yeah. my, my language it's, it's the same causal principle of Duolingo I always mention this that you know people feel they're making progress that whole gamified approach you, you know 75, 75% of Italian or whatever I think maybe with your your more input based method that can be a little bit demotivating right if you're just sitting there for an hour Listening to this and thinking, I have no idea what what I'm what I'm hearing. I recognise some of this, but you know, I don't feel I can't see or, or recognise the progress I'm making. How how would you respond to that?
1: Yeah, well, I I'd say that um, it it's it all I mean context is, is key. Here. I mean, I, I'm again like I'm doing this off the back of having learned eight languages before, so I have, you know, I'm not going to get demotivated no. by this, and if I and if I am, I'm going to. Ch- I mean, I have confidence that I'm going to going to succeed and, and pull through. And, you know, when, when I'm observing what happens through all this input every day, I'm doing it kind of through the lens of having been through the same process eight times before. So I've got
0: much more, mm. I've got many more kind of data points, if you like. So you recognize kind of the feelings you'd be going through and, and, and the stages you pass through.
1: Yeah. So for example, you know, I, last week I found myself getting, getting bored because I was kind of searching for all this different content. To listen to, and I was like, "Oh man, this is all, all this. This is a lot of kind of learner material. It's just not very compelling for me." And so I made a positive change. And I said, "Right, enough of that. I'm going to go out and find authentic content that I'm interested in." And so I went and downloaded a whole ton of podcasts. I spent ages listening to them, and I emerged at the end of that week with two or three resources in Italian that I really love. I'm mm-hmm. very motivated by, very interested in, and so now I'm kind of able, having done that work, mm-hmm. I've been able to kind of change course. And i spend my time really focused on this, on this material that I'm really enjoying. But to circle back to your previous mm-hmm. question about about whether a flashcard type system gives a, a, a feeling of motivation and, and achievement to people, you're absolutely right, and that's why flashcards are popular as a method. Mm-hmm. So they're very tangible. You know, you can say I, I've learned this, and I, and um, and I've made some progress. The key for me to kind of just outline briefly, like how I see flashcards fitting into the system, is that you you need to be very very wary of the time that you're spending with flashcards. Right. And you can very quickly end up spending all your time kind of prepping flashcards. Yeah. And no time that. actually. No time actually studying them. And so what I really try to do is, into my flashcards, I only put words and phrases. And mostly phrases, mm-hmm. by the way, not not single words, because I think phrases are very important. Yeah, I mostly I mostly put phrases in which I kind of feel that like I really need to know this. And if I if I were to learn and memorize this phrase, I'd be able to use it in every conversation. It would really elevate my language skills so it's a process of thinking right okay this language is really high value for me and and i'm going to make it deliberately
0: memorize this
1: yeah yeah it's like you know an example might be if you live in if you've just suddenly moved to a small village in in the mountains in peru and you don't know how to ask for bread
0: Uh
1: and you need to get bread from the local bakery well the first thing you're going to learn is can i have some bread please Mm -hmm. you know that that's and that's absolutely a central language that you need to know or life is going to be hell in that town because you can't eat anything so you learn that so it's so like taking we will be it's like, yeah so it's like taking that approach to okay what do I really need now and and trying to maintain and so you put very a very small amount of information into your flashcards. Mm-hmm you create a very small number of flashcards, but the ones that you do create are extremely high value. Mm-hmm. So you are motivated and everything you spend time memorizing is directly relevant to, to what you're doing. Okay.
0: And that's hard to do. That's hard to do. So, so definitely a place for flashcards um, and that kind of deliberate memorization, but with those must have phrases, let's say. Um, I'm that, interested that's in... my take on it. Yeah. Great. So I'm interested then in, in kind of when it actually comes to going through those flashcards and obviously there's, You know, it might not just be flashcards, it might be a list or whatever, but what's the kind of active process in your mind? Are you testing yourself? Are you covering one side? Are you covering a translation? Do you have any kind of tips and tricks there for people?
1: Yeah. So I do, I always do what's known as reverse flashcards. Uh
0: So, you know,
1: let's say that you're an English speaker learning Spanish. What I won't do is display the Spanish side of the flashcard first and say, what does this mean? Okay. And then you have to translate it into English. That that's it's too just easy. A kind of, it? a, it's, a, it's a test of recognition. Okay, it's it's okay. too easy. And yet that's what most people do. Mm-hmm. Instead, what I do is I display the English side first. And um, and then I so the task for me is to produce that sentence in Spanish or 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 whatever. Yeah. And and what that does is it's a much harder activity. And you have to work harder to get it right. But once you've got it right, what that does is actually mirrors the act of speaking. So, you know, you go into the bakery in, in the mountains in Peru and, and mm-hmm. what think what comes into your head is a thought in English. And that thought is, is I, I want some bread. <laughs> like, can you yeah. can I have some bread, please? And then that's what's going to happen. You know, these thoughts are going to come into your mind in English. And so your task is then to say that thing in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So by using reverse flashcards and and uh, presenting the English side first, and t- and forcing yourself to produce the Spanish, you're preparing yourself for the act of speaking and, and conversations.
0: And you're getting into good habits from from day one, right? Exactly. Yeah. Instantly useful, actionable. So do you have any kind of, do you use any mnemonic type tricks or any sort of, any of those, you know, memory expert type tricks we were talking about earlier? Yeah, I do.
1: And, and um, you know, mnemonics are hugely powerful. Mm-hmm. So mnemonics come into play when you've got words that won't stick. Yeah. And, you know, the, everyone knows what those what those words are like. And, you know, I've learned a few quite difficult languages recently, mm-hmm. such as Cantonese an Arabic where there are words which resemble nothing like you've ever heard in, mm. in English, and you really have no anchor no. to to, to memorise those words at all. But you see, I'm also finding that in Italian, there there are words which are so similar to English that actually they're kind of they're just as difficult because you've got to kind of pass them all out from the right. English. and you've got to remember
0: that that doesn't mean the English thing, but it does mean something. Yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. Or in my case, you know, I find a word that that I know, like the word "level," for example, mm. in, in English. In, in so I know the word in Spanish is "nivel," yeah, nivel," or in Portuguese or nível," same word. Uh, in French "le niveau," okay, and then Italian for some reason is "il livello," mm. and "livello" is obviously like "level" in English. So. You, that's a that's a difficult juggling game you're kind of playing between these between these different languages. And in that case, I mean, that's so similar that you wouldn't really need a mnemonic device. Right. But um, if you were going to take a word in Cantonese, for example, like there's a word that's a mm-hmm. ginti. Ginti is, is a word in Cantonese that doesn't really have a good translation into English. Problem number one. Uh, it's best translated as persistence or stubbornness or something like that. And then ginti is, doesn't sound like any kind of English word you've ever heard before, and it's also got uh, tones in there. So You've got gin, which is a high word, and which is a low, a low tone. So right. you've got a, that, that's a difficult word to remember. And so what I would do, what I did in that case with that word, was I just kind of, I ended up thinking, how on earth am I going to remember this? And I just kind of said it to myself over and over again, "gi ti, and after a while. I thought, well, hang on, ginti, that sounds a little bit like green tea. <laughs> tea I mean, it's, not, it's, not like, it's close enough to act as a kind of Yeah. Cook, right? Yeah. And so I think, well, all right, well, fair enough. That sounds a little bit like green It sounds a little bit like green tea. But what on earth does green tea have to do with persistence? And so then I think, well, all right, well, when I, I'm quite sensitive to green tea, it makes me kind of kind of sends my head spinning a little bit. Oh, really? Okay. The, the type of caffeine or whatever doesn't oh, right. sit well with me. So whenever I have a cup of green tea, I'm really, really wired, and there's no way I could sleep, and i probably burn through all of my my work and finish it very, very quickly because I'm so wired. And so that is a kind of persistence or, or stubbornness. So then okay. in my mind, I, I link green tea to this outcome of like persistent, stubborn work, and I kind of picture myself sitting there going crazy, finishing my work, and then so I link... The two things together and as soon as i came as soon as i kind of landed on that mnemonic i've never forgotten the word mm.
0: Mm.
1: and it's incredibly powerful because imagery is um is one of the the big secrets to to, to memorizing mm-hmm. words
0: definitely so you're kind of uh, creating that imagery and then a hook so like it's two-step process and i guess over time as well once that works it w- it's way properly into your memory. You know, you don't rely on that crutch anymore. You just know. I'm not going to try and say the word, but you, know, you just know it, right? Right. That's a great point because
1: people often say, well, surely that's just as hard work as anything else. How can you have a conversation when you're constantly trying to juggle these images in your mind? Mm-hmm. But of course, what happens is exactly like what you said, which is that um, after you've used this word a few times in conversation, an active flowing conversation, you start to take ownership of that word.
0: And you don't need the mnemonic anymore Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. to recall it definitely um so can you even apply this approach for complete phrases you're saying how important it is to learn complete phrases i mean i've tried that before with a completely new language i did it with with russian and it's difficult because obviously a phrase is much longer um and would you recommend therefore learning the words in the phrase first and then the phrase or do you kind of see what i'm getting at here
1: yeah well i think as a beginner you're kind of stuck because Everything is new. <laughs> yes. So, as a as a complete beginner, you know you're learning. Hello, how are you? How do I get to the station? You know those kind of words. Mm-hmm. And really, there there's no substitute for just hammering the, the damn thing into mm-hmm. your into your into your brain. I mean, you know, the experience as a beginner is is not a, a pleasant one because you just have to get it get it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, usually, if as thing as you progress in in, in a language and you start to understand more. It's, it's relatively unusual that a new difficult word appears alongside five or six other difficult words mm-hmm. and if it does you're probably listening to stuff that's far too hard for you right so more, you... Than, more than likely the other words in the phrase are already known to you or at least very familiar so um, you know in the case of asking for the bread in, 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 the, in, in the in the bakery in Peru you know <laughs> let's say you don't know the word for bread no, pan mm-hmm. in Spanish. If you learn to say, me da un pan, por, por favor, me das un, me da un trozo de pan, por favor, then probably the other words, you know, me da un, por favor, you're probably going to know those already, mm-hmm. or at least they're not going to be very difficult for you. So it's just that one word, pan, that you have to remember. So when you put that phrase into your flashcards, you don't have to do much work to actually remember all those other words in the phrase, providing that most of them are already known right. to right. you. And it, it, in fact, it's, it, it's quite the contrary. Those words act as a hue. They, they all act as separate anchors so that, you know, like the word pan mm-hmm. becomes much more memorable when you have me da un pan. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, tiene pan. Or uh, me da un pan, por favor. Those words, like, that, that gives it context. It gives life to the word. And so then you'll start to remember... The fact that, that pan comes next to por favor, so you say pan, por favor, mm-hmm. the fact that those words can, come together makes it easier to remember the word pan, the word for bread, because it because you can visualize how it's working in the context of that sentence and, and in the, the function of that phrase in real life. Yeah. So it, it's counterintuitive, I know, but it, I've always found that, that learning complete phrases it is, uh, is actually just as easy as any single yeah. words and much more effective
0: yeah yeah and, and arguably much more useful as well right sure
1: um, because when you learn that phrase you know, if you learn the word the, the phrase for can i have some bread please then you can kind of walk down the street and act yeah. it any, out by any, any
0: bakery you come across there yeah. you go
1: you're in <laughs> but even in terms of just you know how we all talk to ourselves in the languages we learn right I mean, you can you can just kind of do a little pretend ordering bread scene at home in, in in Spanish and just like, you know, walk around the house asking random people for bread because you know that, you know, you yeah, know that phrase. Yeah.
0: So it just takes on, it takes on much more of a life. Right, and you can't do that with just single words, generally. Exactly,
1: exactly,
0: yeah. We, we talked about kind of using flashcards, so sticking with that kind of, you know, that deliberate memorization. Are yeah. you, do you like to create your own flashcards? Do you literally, you know, with me, when I first started learning Spanish, and this is a few years ago now, we didn't have... Or we probably did have apps, but I certainly didn't use them. I actually literally wrote out and cut out my own flashcards and stuck them in a shoebox. Still got it somewhere. Now yeah. nowadays you've got it, the whole process is much easier. You've got um, you know memorize. You've got Anki. You've got a lot of kind of pre-made flashcards which you can just download to your phone and all, the whole all of the functionalities there. Do you like that approach of kind of having someone else do doing that for you, no. or do you think uh, it's more important to to create your own?
1: I think it's a terrible idea to use other people's flashcards uh i would i would i would i think it's a, yeah it's a disaster on so on so many different levels and, and the reason is that the act of deciding the vocabulary you want to learn and the act of actually creating the flashcard choosing the phrase that you want i mean in teaching theories is known as personalization mm-hmm. and one of the cornerstones of any kind of language teaching is personalization. So once you teach the word, you then get students to personalize it by making sentences or doing writing of some kind, you know, that that is relevant to them to describing their own life situation, whatever it may be.
0: Surely surely there's enough kind of common phrases, which, you know, just everybody uses, which you don't necessarily need to personalize that you could just lift out from, from someone else's deck or, or whatever.
1: Well, yeah, sure. Absolutely. But then, you know, if you take a, a list, say the, the, the 1,000 most common words in Spanish, I mean, how many of those do you actually need to know? I mean, the first point is that many of those words you're going to already know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the next set of words you you would learn automatically and naturally mm-hmm. if you just spent half an hour going out and listening and reading to Spanish, which means you're kind of left with this kind of 10% of vocabulary that would probably genuinely Be useful, but then within that list, you're going to have things like Mm colours. And colours, colours are a typical example of something that are taught in kind of day one of language, but you almost never use alongside animals, right? Alongside, yeah. I mean, you know, colours. You very Mm. rarely use colours in any in any daily situation. It's counterintuitive, but you. but But it's not common. And if you think back to the number of times. You know, if you speak a foreign language, you think back to the last time you used a lot of colors. Like the prominence they're given doesn't, is not reflected in their frequency in, in daily life. And, and, and yet, if you live in that village in Peru and there is, um, I don't know, it's plagued by stray cats, for example, the word for stray cat is pretty high priority for you to learn because you've got to watch out for them and you need to ask, well, what, what, no, what, you know, you see what I'm getting at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, that word is probably number 15,000 in the frequency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I would much rather have people say, right, what vocabulary do I need to learn right now to make myself a better speaker of the language? And then you set out to learn that everything else can wait and you'll, you, you can learn it when, when that's, when the time is right. Uh, I mean, Again, it comes down to efficiency, and when you know we all have limited hours in the day, we're all in a battle against the clock, so to speak, and our available energy. And you know, when I when I talk about these strategies, the kind of the primary question on my mind is how do we how do we study most efficiently with the time that we've got? And then you know, if you, as long as you've got that foundation, if you want to go off and use frequency lists and all that stuff, then by all means, by all means, do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you if your goal is to get to a point where you're you know, what what the most people want? You want to be conversationally fluent in a language, right? Mm-hmm. If your goal is to get there as quickly as possible, and if you're not a particular fan of the study process, if you would happily dispense with the study process in return for being able to speak that language now, which I think most people would, they yeah. enjoy speaking rather than the study, then in that case the question is well, how do we do this most efficiently? And uh using other people's decks of words breaks into my mind breaks all the rules for, mm. for smart efficient language learning
0: okay that being said do you do you prefer kind of physical flashcards or are you are you kind of, do you do you enjoy apps or how do you use them? i mean
1: i i personally use apps just because it's more efficient on a number of levels so i don't think there's anything wrong with, i think physical flashcards are great and, you know, I often go through, you know, I sit in, I sit in front of the computer all day doing yeah. what I do. Yeah. And um, I, I'm a big fan of kind of getting away from the screen, mm-hmm. and this kind of manual, you know, th- there is a, a huge argument for, for for stuff that you have written down personally. Many people say the act of writing stuff down also helps it. Mm-hmm. There's a whole method called the gold list method, which is predicated on the idea that when you write down a word in a nice notebook with a nice pen. The kind of touchy feelingness of it actually helps it go into your brain. And, and I think that that is a, is a strong argument mm, for that. Interesting. It's kind of known as the effective filter, it's an extension of that, which is the idea that when you're happy and when something's pleasurable, you will learn. Yeah. So, but you know, I personally like to use electronic flashcards because it's simply so easy to edit cards, to remove cards you don't want, to create new decks. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. And, and increasingly a lot of the listening and reading i do is online and when you do your reading online you can quite quickly kind of copy and paste from what you're reading into a flashcard deck for example and that just speeds up the whole thing you know speed being a relevant factor in this in in this endeavor mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. well this has been a real eye opener for me i have to say at least so that's <laughs> that's hugely useful thanks for that is there any kind of any burning gaps which you really want to talk about with when it comes to memorization oh i mean it's a huge topic there's probably loads of things you cover but was there anything on the tip of your tongue like i just needed to mention that as well
1: you know i i can't say that there is okay but but what i would say i think is is in general you can't go wrong if you are taking a holistic approach Mm -hmm. to learn which is to say you are studying with what you call the whole language if you find yourself spending time with lists of single words using other people's word lists doing things that are that, that do not involve immersing yourself in in a kind of rich environment mm-hmm. then you, you 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 there'd be an argument for saying you're on the wrong path mm-hmm. or at least for for experimenting with the opposite which is to just you know flood your flood your brain with with the sights and the sounds and the smells and the, the look of, of the language. And because I think you'll find that words that you are trying so hard to memorize in a rote fashion actually memorize themselves given the right.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll let that words memorize themselves. I'm going to write yeah. that down. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just to wrap things up then, um, apart from learning Itali- Italian, uh, tell us a little bit more about you know what you're up to at the moment, and maybe how people can connect with you apart from the website.
1: Yes, I mean my main project these days is is to develop out ways to help people learning languages through story, mm-hmm. because, like I've said a number of times in, in in this chat, the whole language, which is you know l- learning the language in context in a rich, meaningful context, is is so important. And it helps you learn so much faster. And this is backed up by not only decades of, of research, but also the reports of how the world's most successful language learners actually go about learning languages. Mm-hmm. And for me, the most the most entertaining and fun and natural way to go about using input based methods to just immerse yourself in the language is through stories. Mm-hmm. Because story, you know, story being the eternal medium of communication yeah. for, for humans. So I um, I'm now developing a lot of material for learning languages through story. Mm-hmm. So I have I've been creating beginners courses mm-hmm. in different languages that are completely done through the medium of story. So you actually read an entire book over the course of the of the course. Yeah. And uh, and so what we do is we we take the 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 story that you've so we give you a chapter of the story and we say okay go and listen we can read that go and listen to listen to it over and over again and then once you finish then we have these we have these teaching videos where we kind of go through the stories. okay did you notice that and did you see how that grammar works and mm-hmm. we kind of uncover the the language and the grammar from the story that you've been reading. Mm-hmm. And it's designed for for, for complete beginners and, and, and we've it's been fantastically popular and people really just engaging with yeah. the with the with the with the methodology and actually finding that the language learning can can be so immersive on that level. So I'm I'm kind of focused on on creating those courses. We we have um, Spanish and German already. Italian is imminent. Um, mm-hmm. Japanese and French are probably next. Okay.
0: And uh, so that's that's what I've been Great. what I've been focused on. I look forward to checking those out. Then maybe I'll I'll have a shot at Italian uh using your new materials that sounds great
1: yeah well it's uh, it's it's imminent and yeah uh, if
0: anyone wants to find out more about that they can go to mm-hmm. iwillteachyoualanguage.com mm-hmm.
1: and um everything's there i've got a podcast as well so if oh, people yeah, i guess people listening to this i guess like podcasts so they can look <laughs> for the i will teach you a language podcast on iTunes
0: we have 270 odd episodes up there so wow. it's a long standing uh impressive well i'm on I'm on episode so. 2 so you know we'll we'll get there <laughs> Well, it's like I always say with these things, you know, the, the only way to fail is to stop. Yeah. So as long as you keep going, you, you'll get there. <laughs> well, Ollie, that was that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for stopping by and um, wish you all My the pleasure. best with your Italian.
1: Yeah, thanks very much. It was great to talk to you and great questions as well, really. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun.
0: Once again, a huge thanks to Ollie for his time and wisdom. Stay tuned for more podcasts over the coming weeks. As I line up guests, including technology experts, teachers, and more polyglots. We also want to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the show, and let us know what your burning topics are. We want to hear your comments and suggestions for what you're struggling with or where you need more guidance in your language learning, whatever level you've reached. You can get a hold of me at rob at spanishobsess.com. Also, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please leave us a review. We're just getting a show off the ground, so leaving us a review is a great way to help us reach more people and continue to grow and bring you more great content. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.